the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, June 23rd, 2021. Thank you to Dr. J.D. Hayworth for filling in while I was out. Much of the left and many Democratic Party operatives want Justice Stephen Breyer nominated to the Supreme Court by President Bill Clinton, age 83 this year. Much and many want him to retire post-haste. Why? So that Joe Biden can replace him, obviously, with a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court before Republicans, perchance, take back the Senate. Reading a decision of his issued this morning, I almost wonder if the left and the Democratic Party have other motives for wanting Stephen Breyer retired. The left and Democratic Party today do not any longer support freedom of speech or the First Amendment. Stephen Breyer, a throwback to the liberalism of Joe Lieberman and Alan Dershowitz, perhaps even Bill Maher these days, Stephen Breyer does support the First Amendment and free speech. In an opinion he wrote and uh, issued this morning and joined by such justices as Kavanaugh, Barrett and Gorsuch, Stephen Breyer held up the wide ranging speech claims of a high school student, a school, a public high school had punished for her speech, in this case, an Instagram post given or sent off campus. And what Justice Breyer said of free speech rights at public schools, which are perforce less protected than free speech rights elsewhere and of adults, was this. A message that should be fired off to every good and committed Democrat. Quote, schools have an interest in protecting a student's unpopular expression, especially when the expression takes place off campus. America's public schools are the nurseries of democracy. Our representative democracy only works if we protect the marketplace of ideas. This free exchange facilitates an informed public opinion, which, when transmitted to lawmakers, helps produce laws that reflect the people's will. That protection must include the protection of unpopular ideas, for popular ideas have less need for protection, close quote. He would later go on, thus schools have a strong interest in ensuring that future generations understand the workings in practice of the well-known aphorism, I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Citing a long train of cases, Justice Breyer wrote, the First Amendment protects even hurtful speech, quote, on public issues to ensure that we do not stifle public debate and, quote, the inappropriate character of a statement is irrelevant to the question whether it deals with a matter of public concern, close quote. Justice Breyer, send your opinion to every social media company, please, and public university. Or as a cynic might say, you've done high school students, now do college, and the former president of the United States. Justice Alito wrote a concurrence, and maybe Justice Breyer's staff can enclose his concurrence, too, and send it to the panjandrums at Facebook and Twitter. Citing further precedents, he wrote, quote, 
It is a bedrock principle that speech may not be suppressed simply because it expresses ideas that are offensive or disagreeable. Speech may not be banned on the ground that it expresses ideas that offend. The fact that society may find speech offensive is not a sufficient reason for suppressing it, nor may speech be curtailed because it invites dispute, creates dissatisfaction with conditions the way they are, or even stirs people to anger. And finally... It is firmly settled that under our Constitution, the public expression of ideas may not be prohibited merely because the ideas are themselves offensive to some of their hearers. Again, this is all in the service of protecting a teenager's speech, in this case, teenagers' vulgar, non-political speech. As I say, now do Donald Trump, social media, and public universities. None of these are today's left and Democratic Party values especially on matters that matter most, matters of the most crucial import, particularly having to do with issues of race and, in some cases, election integrity, the voting right. Today, the relativists of yesterday are now actually so certain of certain truths, they are willing to censor, cancel, and physically assault those who deviate from the party line. As Alan Dershowitz, who used to sit on the board of directors of the ACLU and left when they left their mission, said the problem is these young professionals today don't understand that without basic liberties, every would-be utopia becomes a dystopia. They don't understand what the great Justice Louis Brandeis said a century ago. Quote, experience should teach us to be most on our guard to protect liberty when the government's purposes are beneficent. Men born to freedom are naturally alert to repel invasion of their liberty by evil-minded rulers. The greatest dangers to liberty lurk in insidious encroachments by men of zeal, well-meaning, but without understanding. Nor do they understand what, Justice Jernid, what Judge Learned Hand said, that the spirit of liberty is the spirit which is not too sure that it is right, it is the spirit which seeks to understand the minds of other men and women. It is the spirit which weighs their interests alongside its own without bias. When I read reread that Brandeis quote, men born to freedom are naturally alert to repel invasion of their liberty by evil-minded rulers, I was thinking of the entirety of the last year and a half. What of the not evil-minded rulers? What um, about the natural alertness to repel invasions of liberties? by beneficent rulers. Well, C.S. Lewis had it when he wrote, Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some points be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without any end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. They may be more likely to go to heaven, yet at the same time likelier to make a hell on earth. This very kindness stings with intolerable insult. To be cured against one's will and cured of states which we may not regard as diseased is to be put on a level of those who have not yet reached the age of reason or those who never will, to be classified with infants, imbeciles, and domestic animals." Close quote. 
Now, just before C.S. Lewis gets into this in his book, God in the Dock, he echoes something we spoke about last week, the Aristotelian distinctions between a good man and a good regime and a good man and a bad regime and a bad man and a good regime and a bad man and a good regime uh, and, a, and a good man and a bad regime, etc. Lewis wrote, good men who abandon the thought of good and evil intentions can act as cruelly and unjustly as the greatest of tyrants. They might, in respects, even act worse. As you who listen to Dennis Prager well know, the Talmud speaks of he who has mercy on the cruel being one day cruel unto the merciful. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, mercy detached from justice grows unmerciful. That is the important paradox. As there are plants which will flourish only in a mountain soil, so it will appear that mercy will flower only when it grows in the crannies of the rock of justice. Transplanted to the marshlands of mere humanitarianism, it becomes a man-eating weed, all the more dangerous because it is still called by the same name as the mountain variety. But we ought to long ago have learned our lesson. We should be too old now to be deceived by those pretensions which have served to usher in every cruelty of the revolutionary period in which we live, close quote. That is the abandonment of true mercy. Now, notice I've taken up the absurd social media posts of a teenager's rights to just about the largest topics in a society today, good and bad, right and wrong, those tricky distinctions again. But the sophomore may ask, how do we decide what is right and wrong? What Sheldon Whitehouse thinks is right is not what I do. Aha. And there, there, right there is the beginning of the reason for freedom of speech, to discuss the greatest and important issues, to hammer them out, to battle them out, like Socrates, but without the death sentence. Do recall, by the way, how Socrates was charged for capital punishment? Corruption of the youth was the charge. Are those engaged in the silencing business now also the self-same who are protecting the youth, by the way? Or is that completely upside down, too? Anti-racist baby and Netflix and the Cartoon Network and the BLM curriculum and the pairings of all these with transgender instruction to elementary and kindergarten students. Are they on the cancel culture side, those folks, or the freedom of speech side? Interesting question. You know the answer. And the reason is because of what they are afraid of taking place right now. Parents waking up, exercising First Amendment rights, and attending school board meetings and speaking out loudly. This is the worst thing a Marxist movement can have, which is why Marxist movements do not tolerate freedom of speech for those that don't agree with the party in line. Because the neo-Marxist curriculum today does not stand on its own and does not stand up to any kind of serious scrutiny in a country that claims to venerate freedom and equality, because of this, opposition has to, must be silenced. Do recall that one BLM curricular point we found so interesting. Quote, we are unapologetically black in our positioning. And in affirming that black lives matter, we need not qualify our position, close quote. Never mind what it means to be black in positioning. I'm just assuming it doesn't mean what Clarence Thomas or Larry Alder or Shelby Steele or Thomas Sowell or Ben Carson think it is. But the needing not qualify our position, understand, is a peremptory silencing of questioning or criticism of speech or debate. We need not qualify our position. Accept it. It is truth. Ex cathedra. Giants of liberalism 
used to stalk this land. So did the notion of freedom and equality. It is firmly settled that under our Constitution, the public expression of ideas may not be prohibited merely because the ideas are themselves offensive to some of these hearers, Justice John Harlan wrote. The sentiment still runs throughout and through injustice Stephen Breyer today, and that, I think, is why they on the left really want him gone. The theology of the day, and it is rapidly becoming a theology, is that we must not debate you. We must silence you. And Stephen Breyer doesn't agree. Thus, he must go. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. Welcome back. 602-508-0960. We've got a lot going on today. Uh, uh, we've got some more candidates entering uh, races in Arizona. We're going to announce uh, their candidacy on this show. Uh, we'll have uh, Representative uh, David Schweikert and uh, the great economist Steve Moore is going to be joining us, too, in the third hour, talking about a robust uh, study he has uh, been part of that could, if taken seriously, uh, really re-energize our economy here, as well as slash taxes, putting us back on a footing of growth. Uh, the president of the United States today uh, made a very long and winding speech. It seemed like he deviated from the teleprompter a bunch. I could be wrong, but I'll tell you, when he says things like, um, and this isn't the, the most serious part of it at all. But when he says things like this, is it just caught me when he said it. As my mother likes to say, as my mother liked to say, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. When he says things like that, I can't imagine that was in the speech. I just can't. So I think he went off uh, script quite a bit, and there will probably be more questions as a result. But. Along with the announcement that Kamala Harris is going to visit the El Paso border and the Biden administration today coming out publicly in a way that shows they are serious about seizing more guns and curbing more of the Second Amendment, it just seems to me that as much as people like to preach, and Joe Biden did today, saying we know what works, we know Neither of these things have any implications for the positive whatsoever. We know that. We know that because we've been through these kinds of gun regulations before. We know that given the real violent crime in America and the real homicide uptake in America, what Joe Biden proposed today will have zero zero effect on any of that. Having much more effect on all of that is the fact that police departments are scrambling for funds and personnel amidst a lot of early retirements and a lot of people leaving the force and resigning, including leadership, because of the Democrats and the rhetoric of the past year. That is what explains the rise in violence. You want more violence, you have less cops. There is nothing Joe Biden proposed that would solve anything that's going on in Chicago. Now, why did I put it in context as well as 
with the news that Kamala Harris announced she's going to visit the El Paso border because that, too, will mean nothing. El Paso is the most the El Paso border is the most. What's the word I want here? Antiseptic or sanitized uh, border area, um, not only because of the military, but but just because of the, the location. When she goes there with a camera retinue, I guess one can't blame her. They are not going to see the horrifics that I saw a few weeks ago when I went to the border with Andy Biggs and that you see depicted on Fox News and even the BBC. A close listener of ours, Mike, sent me um, a very interesting article. The BBC is reporting more on what's going on at our border than American journalism is. Uh, The headline here is Heartbreaking Conditions in U.S. Migrant Child Camp. At a U.S. border detention center in the Texan desert, migrant children have been living in alarming conditions where disease is rampant, food can be dangerous, and there were reports of sexual abuse. An investigation by the BBC has found... Well, that's the way they write. They put that at the wrong end of the sentence. An investigation by the BBC has found through interviews with staff and children. Um, And I can go through some of this, but it is heartbreaking. And it is so heartbreaking that one doesn't want to make the political point, but one has to. If we cared about this three years ago and we saw headlines nothing like this we saw we didn't see headlines where children are being abused this way and fed food that isn't fit for even an animal chickens with feathers still on them bleeding when they're served to children no 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 one does have to make the political point here because no one was happy about what was taking place three and four and umpteen years before that ago. No one was happy about it. That's why we closed it. That's why we wanted to stop it. That's why we could that's why we wanted to bring a cessation to it. We know what makes crime go up and we know what brings illegal immigrants. Welcoming them, providing them services and not being serious about them is what brings them. And going down and giving a single lecture to a group of recalcitrant um, uh, recalcitrant protesters to go down and tell them, do not cross the border, do not come to America, is going to actually do nothing. If that was the three-month plan Kamala Harris put together when she went down to Guatemala, it was a failure. And so I think her trip will be a failure. But I do not think the trip Donald Trump will be taking will be a failure because he wants to highlight. He wants to do the job the journalists won't do. He wants to force them and shame them into covering it and covering not the good and antiseptic parts, but covering the worst parts because it's the worst we stopped and we can stop again. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 34 past the hour. Gives us our culture and economy update with the great John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates, of which he is president and founder. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is their website, and his radio show is here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., the Word on Wealth, on this bat channel. John, how are you this Wednesday? 
fantastic. Seth, how you doing? I am fine. Thank Great. you. Thank you. Thank you. Names big in the news today, uh, Yellen and uh, Powell. Let's yes. start with uh, Yellen. <clears throat> she, uh, yes. the Secretary of the Treasury, was making some news today having to do with our debt limits, right? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting um, testimony that she gave today, of course. Uh, the concern? Spending. And that's you know, goes back to everything we've been talking about. We just uh, talked about this on Monday yep. with the uh, amount of uh, payments going directly to uh, people from the government. And uh, here we go. Perfect example. Uh, 2019, there was a sp- suspension in the borrowing limit or the debt ceiling through July 31st of 2021. Of course, we're coming up on that. After that, it says the Treasury won't be able to raise additional cash through the sale of government securities. Um, so that's how the government raises money, right? They they put these bonds out there. People buy the bonds. Now they've got more debt on the books. But this, um, uh, I guess, this vote that they uh, enacted back in 2019 suspended this borrowing limit, which is coming up in this July. So the problem is, is Janet Yellen said, emphasizing that the pandemic has created uncertainty around the size and timing of government payments making it difficult to estimate when the Treasury might exhaust those measures. But she's saying that we could pretty much be out of money here in the next month or so. Is this is this theoretically the administration giving itself maybe some room to put some pause on the relief packages they've been talking about or the spending packages? I don't know, for them to it's maybe pull a little bit that. of a punch on some of this? It very well could be, which I think the Republicans have been talking about this all along. Right. We can't, you know, keep doing this, and and this could be a way for them to say, "Hey, we're our hands are tied. We can't do anything about this." But you know, in another comment, she said, "Without congressional action, she said to suspend or raise the limit after July 31st." She said the government could begin to miss payments on its obligations, triggering a default on government debt. She said, which would be unthinkable. So. Um, I'm sure that Congress will have some type of an emergency session and probably will uh, vote to raise the limit. Uh, But if they don't, I mean, this could be uh, a first-time-in-history thing. Well, we combine that with other worrisome factors. Uh, It seemed like one of the worrisome factors of the last, what would you say now, two months has been inflation, John, fair enough. Uh, and they seem to be trying to do everything they can to at least talk it down. That was Jerome Powell today, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, and again, um, he uses that word transitory. It's been thrown around where they believe this is just, it's not a permanent, um, uncontrollable scenario with inflation. They believe that it will change, it will begin to fall back in line. Um, And I, I think we have to wait and see. I mean, I would say... Fed Chair Powell has been right in most instances, you know, over the past number of years. So I think we have to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in this. But, I mean, as I said, you and I and the public out there, we certainly feel the inflationary pressures on our wallets. And unlike the government, we can't just sell bonds to raise money so we could spend more. We've literally got to stop our spending to keep in line with what our income is. So um, the government has a little bit of a a challenge in front of them to manage the spending that they have. Maybe we're finally coming up to that crossroads to where something's going to have to be done. Yeah, I'd love it if this was a signal within the administration of the media to maybe set some expectations a little lower 
yeah. on the tranches of spending that they have been speaking about. I hope that's what this is about. Um, I would hope so. And I would hope that that is the cause. We'll see. Uh, today, Joe Biden said uh, that uh, states that uh, have leftover stimulus or coronavirus money, they can use it for other purposes. And it does dawn on me, once you're willing to say that, it means you've spent too much. Yeah, and the Treasury Secretary does speak on behalf of the president, yep. his agenda. That's right. So she's saying these things, which yep. I'm sure has been discussed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. With the administration. Oh, so that's right. Probably Probably on the right track. I hope so. Hopefully, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Hey, JD. But I mean, it is. Yeah, it could affect the market. But here, it's, history is being made. We're making new highs in the in the markets too this week. Good. So it's really interesting to see all these challenges, and yet the markets trudge higher. Nice. Hey, JD. Thank you. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finra and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand King and Plenty Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC, are not affiliated. Thank, Thank you, John. You. And I am Seth, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're thinking of uh, going solar and saying goodbye to those utility power bills. I just saw my friend Solar Sandy recently, and uh, she is the one who can make it happen. I was at an event of hers where she was actually giving rebate checks to customers. Rebate checks. That's what Solar Sandy can do with you, or the utility companies may end up owing you money. If you sign up with Solar Sandy right now, she'll pay your power bills for one year, as well as your solar panel payments. And today is the last day, but she will also give a $1,000 bonus at signing. She'll still cover your power bills and your solar panel payments, but today's the last day to sign up with Solar Sandy to get a $1,000 bonus at signing. To do all of this, go to AskSolarSandy.com, and I urge you to read the testimonials of her other customers. They're just amazing. That's AskSolarSandy.com, or give her a call at 623-850-8229. And tell her I sent you. Bill, uh, it's good to have you back. It's good to be back. We were both out yesterday. Uh, you did what? Anything fun? Anything interesting to report? I made the most of my day off getting my car serviced, including a visit for a new battery to Batteries Plus. Oh, you went to Batteries Plus. Batteries Plus. Batteries Plus. That's an interesting name for a store. It's part of this whole thing where we're extending things and making them longer. Right, mm -hmm. like on a going forward basis or price point. Although batteries, I guess if the store were just called batteries, it wouldn't be enough to entice a lot of people. They're there for the plus as well. They go there for a battery, but they probably wouldn't go there for a battery if they thought all it had was batteries. There's curiosity. Hmm, what is the What's plus? What's the plus? And what qualifies? What do you have to have that gets you legally able to say plus? Hmm. If you just sell like... Fruit stripe gum at the counter. Can you say batteries plus? I think that qualifies. That does. That is plus. Let's ask linens and things. Yeah, are they still around? I don't know. Okay. Well, speaking of just the thing in life, things everyday things in life. I was just. Um, I could have made that funnier. Anyway, I could have. Batteries. I'll work on it. That's a laugh, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. That's really a laugh. I'll, I'll, I'll work. I'll work on the batteries plus routine. I think I can do better with it. Going to workshop it. Yeah, I'll workshop it. But I was driving over here and pulling in. Do you ever have to pull into a, someone's front yard to pull out on a narrow street? And there's the sign. I've seen several of them, 
Have you seen these signs um, that people put in their front yards that say, in this house, we believe black lives matter, women's rights equals human rights, no human is illegal, science is real, disabilities are respected, love is love, and kindness is everything? Have you seen these signs? The most I've seen is something like love lives here, and I yeah, wonder yeah, it, it's that, a version that might of it. be the meanest person on the block. I was I wondering the same thing. Right, yes, I was wondering if <laughs> in this house we believe. Women's rights equal human rights. Does anyone really disagree with that? Is that a proposition that requires I, – I suppose it does if you're willing to turn a blind eye to human rights abuses um, or women's rights abuses. If you're willing to turn a blind eye to women's rights abuses in, uh, I don't know, regimes in the Middle East from Saudi Arabia to Iran or, in fact, uh, for that matter, in China, um, then then I suppose it's controversial. No human is illegal. That's, that's, that's an interesting use of a noun. No human is illegal. You see what they've done there, right? They've changed the debate. I don't know any conservatives that think humans are illegal. Most conservatives I know believe all humans are equal. Um, what that doesn't mean is that you can move into any house you want anywhere in the world. I wonder if the people who have these signs on their front yards that say no human is illegal would be willing to welcome the um, – families that are placed up at the hotel in Scottsdale all together and, in fact, just, you know, give them a, um, a family experience uh, like, for instance, in a, you know, in, in, like you do in college, like an exchange student. Maybe they'd open their house to them. I'll take these signs and these people who put these signs up seriously when they're willing to not lock their doors and welcome people in. I don't know why it should be someone else's problem that they lecture us about. If they're not willing to absorb the problem themselves, there are people on the border and there are people throughout this country who suffer from the problems that attend to illegal immigration, be it depressed wages, be it drugs, smuggling, be it human and sex trafficking. There are people who suffer from those things. And we're not saying that the people trying to flee them are illegal. We are saying that. There are actions that are illegal, and not everyone is an American citizen any more than anyone is a Mexican citizen or a Canadian citizen. Remember how much complaint there was with the travel bans that were instituted by Donald Trump in the name of national security? Has anyone brought up the travel bans that enlightened countries like Canada have inflicted on I guess troglodytic nations like the United States based on health. I guess if you do it in the name of health, it's more acceptable than if you do it in the name of national security, which is life, which used to be considered part of health. But notice those who speak most about public health speak least about individual life. Have you noticed that? That's an interesting thing. It's, 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 it's much like the Mercedes Marxist who loves humanity and hates humans, which is what we have here when people bray about no human being is illegal. We don't think they are. We think that the activities are illegal. Science is real. I agree with that one. I think science is real. I think so is illegal immigration. I think so is crime. 
but science is real. Is that is that something that that I that I need a, a yard sign to tell me? Disabilities are respected. Love is love. That's the real humdinger. Love is love, and kindness is everything. Yeah, you're right. It brings up the Emerson point. The more he spoke spoke of his honor, the faster we wanted to count the spoons. Right? It brings up that thought, doesn't it? You just wonder how kind and how loving. Now, maybe they are. Maybe they are very kind and very loving. I'm guessing if they are very kind and very loving. Um, they wouldn't be lecturing us and distorting our argument and saying such things as there's no illegal human being. Um, I just... It's anyway, it's like those coexist bumper stickers that have all the faiths there and then some. There's really only one faith that needs a lecture on coexistence, not all the others. There's only really one there that needs it. Yeah. You know what's funny? I bet you in those countries, Islamo radical countries, I bet you can't have that bumper sticker. Jewish Star of David? <laughs> Are you kidding me? A cross? They'd think we were engaging in the Crusades. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. There is an interesting other aspect to Joe Biden giving a talk today on gun restrictions. Paul Miragoff writes, in the absence of effective policing, citizens must protect themselves. That's the main reason why gun sales reportedly are way up these days. Thus, quite apart from the fact that gun control legislation fails to address the real drivers of the violent crime surge, less policing and more criminals on the street is the explanation, it may on its terms just be an unpopular response. Citizens aren't into disarming right yet. I don't want to leave the impression that Biden is ignoring the issue of policing altogether, but the likely um, effect of all this legislation, especially when it comes to the issues having to do with qualified immunity and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and police officers, you ask yourself, is this going to increase police recruitment or decrease it? Is it going to increase morale or decrease it? The Democratic left would like to abolish the police. They have said that. Few Democratic politicians will advocate going that far, though. The difference between the political leader and the Democratic leftist activist. One wants to, one wants to, but doesn't say so. Uh, so what they do are they, they, they discourage interaction between police officers and residents of high-crime neighborhoods, if, which happen to also often enough be neighborhoods of, 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 of a high minority population. If you can't abolish the police, neutering them is the next best thing. So in sum, the Biden's embrace of left-wing ideology leaves him and his party vulnerable and stranded on the issue of crime – even as that issue moves to the political forefront. All Biden and the Dems can do is hope that the wave of violent crime recedes uh, and diminishes, which is exactly what I think Kamala Harris was hoping would happen with the border. She was just hoping that problem 
would go away. Her political instincts are indeed awful. And they don't improve just because she got a new house. They won't improve just because she got a new house. Her instincts have been awful. And perhaps one has to think, by giving her that assignment, Joe Biden might be setting her up just to fail. I can understand in a confused administration where there are claims for who's in charge, where you have everyone acting like Al Haig, believing that they truly are in charge. I can see why something like this would be given to take a few steps out of her, out of her, out of her walk. I can see that. It's possibly the case. But the trip to El Paso, it will be a cipher, as will this proposed legislation by Joe Biden, because it goes after not the problem. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.